Good evening, everyone. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today, reading Deuteronomy 7 in the NLT. But first and always, we pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the season. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we can celebrate the first Advent. And we don't know when he was born. Lord, you know and he knows. And we don't know that, but one day we may find out when we see you face to face. Thank you for your word. Help us to strive always to, towards you. Help us to read your word, to consider the matter, to have the spirit living in us, to be kind, humble, and meek, and teachable. I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Um, before I go on, I was looking at a video on YouTube, because I'm always looking at videos or things come into my feed, and I just like to hear different perspectives from people. You know, there's wisdom to be said by people who are not believers, because I, I, God can speak through anybody, I mean to me, you know. So, uh, this, but, but this this lady here, this young woman, she's 26, has got uh, um, a YouTube channel called The Ministry of the Lamb. And um, I think her name, uh, well, she's just, she's very young. She's very dedicated to God, very conservative, very clean, and very gorgeous. And so I was listening to what she was saying, and she was talking about um, things in the Christian church, like a lot of merchandising that that really bothers her you know it's it's a, and she cited the example where jesus overturns the tables and he says my house should not be a house of thieves of uh, merchandising and he says and she says that there's a lot of that going on in the churches it's not about us she says it's about jesus and i agree and then she talks about some of the street preachers how they're sort of argumentative they're loud they're like you know they're doing what they think is the best you know, they're trying to reach people for Jesus, but arguing and shouting at them. And, you know, of course, the, the people who are not believers are going to shout back, you know, if they're atheists or they just don't like being shouted at, you know, they're going to re retaliate back. And so some of these guys kind of drown them out with the microphone. Or she says, that's a lot of self-righteousness. And she says, you know, we don't want to be doing that. And it really made me think about what I have been saying about where I came from. You know, where I came from, I didn't like um, the person, I keep condemning this person as a false prophet, and I keep hoping that people will come out of the church. But you know what? I sound, when she said that, it sounded to me like I was being self-righteous. You know, I know what I feel. I know that Jesus has given me a freedom and that I'm so much happier. Um, churches are full of people, and people have sins and clash. But I think the church should be simpler, not harder. And it should be only about Jesus Christ. It shouldn't be about somebody else's opinion about Jesus because that person can get elevated. And I think that's what happened where I came from. But you know what? I was in there and God was kind enough to open my eyes and let me see. And I wouldn't be able to see if someone was yelling at me and telling me what's wrong or what my system is. And in our in that church that I had, uh, they would say, you know, when people say you're a cult, then you've given them these arguments. It wasn't really defending the truth. It was just sort of defending our theology. And whether you're Christian or not Christian, you're in something else, like always defending your opinions and your ideas, like that's not defending Jesus. You know, that's just sort of trying to justify what you're doing. So for me, I had to leave and I did leave and I had a very nice wife. And, you know, maybe I pushed too hard. So I just want to read the verse that she read and a verse that I have seen all as well. And then I'll continue in Deuteronomy 7. So let me let me just do that now. So the verse she read about self-righteousness, um, I was very convicted by this. So this is why I felt I had to tell you this. 
So I just don't really want to be, um, I don't really want to be a person who keeps on harping about the past. You know, I've tried to move on. I know what I feel. I know what I want to do. I know how I want to go forward. And I came out to be free and to find freedom in Christ. But freedom doesn't mean the freedom to do whatever I wanted. The freedom to worship Jesus and to listen to, you know, to follow his commandments. Also to listen to other people. And there are people who are smart, but no one is above everybody else. Nobody is like Jesus. Nobody is a prophet. He's the prophet, savior, and redeemer. We have lots of men who are smart and intelligent and go to theology and know a lot of theological concepts. There's nothing wrong with that, but Jesus is the savior. Jesus is the living God, and he is the one that never sinned. He's perfect. He never sinned. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our righteousness as a filthy rag mine included. So I don't want to be, you know, telling people what to think, telling them what to do, telling them what I think is right. I know what I think is right. And I have to really please God. I have to work with what my conscience tells me to do, which is the Holy Spirit. And I just felt that I was doing the right thing. But when I heard the young lady quote this verse, I just felt convicted to, to look outside, to turn around and look at myself. And to not see myself with favorable eyes, but to apply some self-criticism to myself. And I don't want to sound like a tell-it-all or you got to do what I say or this is the right way because I did it and you have to do it too. Nobody pushed me. I made the choice to leave. And if it is the right, if it is the right choice, you cannot force somebody to accept Jesus or to love Jesus only. They have to do it for themselves. He is the one. The Holy Spirit is the one. God our Father is the one who has to open your eyes. Jesus said, who, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And, and Jesus said to him, Not, no man has told that to you, but your Father in heaven has revealed that to you. I cannot tell people what to do. And I don't want to be doing that. Of course, I'm going to read the Bible, and of course, I'm going to have my quirky little opinions. But I don't want to be a self-righteous, smug person yelling at people to do what I think is right. That's just wrong. I agree with the young lady. So let me read. 1 Corinthians 8, verses 8. Food will not commend us to God. We are not no worse off if we do not eat, no better off if we do. So she didn't read that, but that's the first verse. Then this is the verse here. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 9. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. So she interpreted that and I kind of saw what she was saying that, you know, Jesus opened my eyes to see him, to have freedom in him, um, to be free and to, to question what I had been taught and to make it my own. And I felt that I had to do that by leaving a system that I think was promoting somebody else. My wife did not feel the same way and she decided to stay back in that system and that caused a schism in the marriage. Whether it was right the way I handled it, whether it's right the way she handled it, she's in the Lord's hands right now and I wish her the best because she was a very nice person to me. She was a very nice wife and she was kind to the kids and, you know, the mother has to be in good shape for the children. I don't agree with her decision. I think it was a bad decision. But, you know, I know that once I get something into my head, I have to go around telling people. And that's good to be zealous and passionate. But if you're so zealous and passionate that you blast people 
or you try to force them to see it your way, even if you have the best of intentions, it's not right. And so I put the blame on myself for maybe being coming across a little too strong. And even though we may never be married again and we are divorced, I just feel that you know, I, I feel that she's made a bad decision. She's the one who, you know, signed the divorce papers and that sort of thing. And I just feel that she's in the Lord's hands. And if she is ever going to find Jesus 100%, if that is the path, the right path, I believe it is. But if that's the right path for her, he has to show her. Your family and friends will always attack you if they don't like Jesus. And you may rebut them back. You know, the Bible says that. But you can only plant a seed. You cannot do the job of the Holy Spirit. You can only influence people. The Holy Spirit may use your words to drill down into their heads for them to see, but he's the one that has to open their eyes to the truth of Jesus the Christ and God our Father. So when she's talking about merchandising and smugness and self-righteousness, I just felt convicted that in a way the Holy Spirit was talking to me. And I don't want to sound negative. This is to be a fun and positive and to read God's word and to find joy in knowing that God is real and Jesus is real. Jesus never lies to you. No, he's not like a politician or somebody who doesn't control things. God is in charge. He's allowed evil to still prosper for now, but the old man of sin is defeated. And one day everyone is going to know that Christ is the king because it says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God never wanted anyone to believe in his son by extracting it from him like the confession. He wants people to choose him because true love is the ability to choose or not to choose. Everybody has a choice. God is in charge and yet he sort of surrendered his control he surrendered. I, I mean, I don't know if I'm saying it right. He surrendered control to you. You have a right to choose if you want to accept the gift of salvation or not. And let me just read one more thing. It's from Luke chapter nine. So I always remember this story. So this is also from Luke nine. So it says here, Luke nine. So they were in a, a Samaritan village rejects Jesus. That's the subtitle. So it says here in verse 53, Luke 9, verses 53, but the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. I guess he was, Jesus was set to go to Jerusalem. He knew what he had to do. Verse 54, and when his disciples, James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Uh, but he turned and rebuked them. And in this also says, he turned and rebuked them and it says, some manuscripts add, and he said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are, for the Son of Man came not to destroy people's lives, but to serve them. So I was watching a show, and I know the director of the show is an atheist, and he kind of, he's made a kind of a show where it's got these religious people against atheist people. And what the atheists say, the atheists have compassion, the atheists I don't believe are soulless, but it's it's almost like this director's way of saying that religion is nothing but imaginary thinking and religious people just control people and it's all about control and fake thinking. And I just didn't agree. But I guess from his perspective, if, if you are not, if you look at God and you see God as a dictator and controlling or you don't see there's a God, but you think religion 
is about God telling you what to do and telling you how to live and restraining you. I guess unless God steps in to open your eyes to show you that he's not like that, you'll always believe that. Because even Jesus says, you know, they want these people, the two disciples want the people in the village to accept Jesus and they don't want to do it. The village doesn't want to do it. And Jesus says that he, he did not come to destroy men. He came to restore men. He came to open their eyes, to serve them, to make them see the God, the bigger perspective, the bigger picture, the picture that the world doesn't want to see as a whole. And that's what I'm doing here. I want to serve God. I want to show Jesus my appreciation, my love by doing what little I can, reading the Bible. And you know what? I'm being taught. Even if nobody really cares about what I'm saying, I just, I don't care that much. I just feel sorry that Jesus did all this work and just so few people in this world are so uh, uninterested, so bored. Um, you know, there's, there's ap apathyism, you know, just people are just, oh, I don't know if there's a God and I don't care and I'll find out when I die. Like he did all that work. He walked around, he never sinned. He, he resisted temptation. The whole world came against him. He died on a cross naked to give us grace, to reconcile us back to God, to be, the, to be the narrow path, to be that road back to God. He said, take up your cross and follow me. And the Bible says so few people will strive to enter that narrow path. You know what? I've never been an A-lister. I've never been one that makes a team. I've never been like the, the top cream of the crop or anything like that. I've never been that. But I want to be that person who enters eternity and salvation. And I know that the Lord will help me and he'll, he'll help you and he will lead you if you truly want that. If you truly, truly want that, he will lead you. It will be some tears, there will be depressions, there will be hard times. There will be times when it seems God is far away or dragging his feet or your, your prayers bounce off the ceiling. That's what everyone tells me because that's what I have felt. But God says he's there, that he's loving and then your faith will overcome your fears and will overcome your reality. And even though this reality sucks sometimes and it really does look like God has abandoned it or is not even there, that's not true. The evidence, the absence of evidence is not evidence of absence of our loving Heavenly Father. Okay, enough, enough prattling from me. Let's read Deuteronomy 7. And you know something I forgot to say? Happy holidays. It's the Saturday before Christmas. It's Christmas is still in the future. I love that. And Merry Christmas to everybody. And God is coming. And we have a purpose. And we are going forward. And we know, we know that Jesus is coming. You know in your heart. You, when you read this Bible, you know. You got that feeling inside of you. That happy anticipatory feeling. Christ is coming back. He's real. He's the true image of God. He's teaching about relationships. He's trying to reconnect us back to our Heavenly Father. He's trying to show you that God is loving. He's trying to reconnect us back to each other. And He's trying to reconnect us back to loving. We can't love ourselves. We can't, we can't preach love if we don't love ourselves. And that sounds kind of narcissistic, but what I'm saying is the Holy Spirit shows you your worth. And then you don't have to beat yourself up. You don't have to compete against other people. You don't have to bash yourself and, and, and hold yourself to incredibly difficult standards. That's what the devil does. He tells you that you're a loser and that you're not good for 
you're not good enough for God and you're not worthy and the people that you want to like you, they don't like you, so you're no good. That's what the devil does. And I would say, don't listen to him. Deuteronomy 7, the privilege of holiness. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are about to enter and occupy, he will clear away many nations ahead of you, the Hittites, Gigashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. These seven nations are greater and more numerous than you. When the Lord your God hands these nations over to you and you conquer them, you must completely destroy them. Make no treaties with them and show them no mercy. Wow, so this actually sounds like a different God. It does sound like a different version of God, kind of a merciless God. But he's with um, Israel and they sound kind of, you know, they're small of number. And God made promises to Israel, not because they were great a nation, but because he made promises to Abraham. And because these nations were doing things that were wrong and evil. And God says anything that is, the, any nation that doesn't follow me, any anyone, that it, its end is death. Because when they're not following the relationship principles, when they're not being other-centered, they're being self-centered. And selfishness leads to death. Selfishness kills relationships. Pride, ego, narcissism, entitlement, ego kills relationships, kills marriages. When people can't see past their own um, notches, when every they say, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, it's all your fault. I didn't, I'm, I'm always right, you're always wrong. You didn't do this and you didn't do that. That's exactly how Satan talks. That's how he started talking. God didn't do this and God didn't do that. And God is suppressing us. And under God's leadership, we are not progressing forward. And that's why we're stunted. And that's why we're doing the same old thing. But follow me and I'll take you higher and I'll take you further. He lied. He lied. He's a narcissist. And he's going to die. Verse 4, for they will lead your children away from me to worship other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will burn against you and he will quickly destroy you. This is what you must do. You must break down the pagan altars and shatter their sacred pillars. Cut down their Asherah poles and burn their idols. For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. And I guess maybe the anger of the Lord, the burning, maybe that's representative, representative of Revelation 20. You know, because I think that God comes down and that God comes to earth and earth and earth and the sin. The sin just cannot be in God's presence. Selfishness, sin cannot exist in love, in perfect love, in perfect other-centeredness. And it just shatters. It just dies. It just gets totally blackened out of existence, out of this universe anyways. That's just my hermeneutic. Of course, I could be wrong. I don't, I don't pretend to be uh, smart. I, you know, meekness and humility means saying, this is what I think the scripture is saying. This may be the reality that it's saying, but the scripture says a lot of things. And it says some things that are sort of um, in contradiction to each other. The Bible says it doesn't contradict itself. So I think there's just a lot of things we don't know. And, you know, it says that there's eternal smoke, eternal fire, and it says outer darkness. And yet that's supposed to be the second death. As one guy said, you know, God gives me enough to know that it's going to be something bad and terrible, but I don't know how it, it, it's going to go down. And he says, I don't have to know. My heavenly father knows how to do it. He'll take care of it. I don't have to push my sp special hermeneutic. You are entitled to your opinion, but you know, you can always, you can always suffix that with, this is what I think it is, but I could be wrong. And I'm willing to listen to somebody else. And I disagree with you agreeably. I think that's meekness. And I think a lot of people just have a lot of crazy ideas from the scriptures and they're not willing to be disagreeable. They're not willing to listen. 
They can't listen to anybody else but their own ego. For you are holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you are more numerous than other nations, for you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you and he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes an unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands, but he does not hes hesitate to punish and destroy those who reject him. Therefore, you must obey all these commands, decrees, and regulations I'm giving you today. Again, I see the capital of Lord, so I know that's talking about Yahweh. Now that I see that, now that I've been told that I see it, God is God. Yahweh is the God of the Jews. He's the true God, and he loves them. But as we know, in the New Testament, he says, we were once afar off, the Gentiles were, and now, we're, now we are near. And he says, it's not really just the DNA, the Jew, people who are actually Jewish. He loves them too, and he still loves them, and he'll always love them. He'll always love them. He loves the Gentiles too. We have been circumcised in the heart. We are loved because our hearts have been circumcised by the Holy Spirit. We're loved by God too. Verse 12, if you listen to these regulations and faithfully obey them, the Lord your God will keep his covenant of unfailing love with you as he promised with an oath to your ancestors. He will love you and bless you and he will give you many children. He will give fertility to your land and your animals. When you arrive in the land, he swore to give your ancestors. You will have large harvests of grain, new wine and olive oil and great herds of cattle, sheep and goats. You will be blessed above all the nations of the earth. None of your men or women will be childless or in all your livestock will bear young. And the Lord will protect you from all sickness. He will not let you suffer from the terrible diseases you knew in Egypt, but he will inflict them on all their enemies. There's nothing wrong with um, eating a certain diet. Uh, there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, there's no sin involved in eating certain uh, meats and certain things. But obviously, um, you know, if you do have uh, a good diet, you'll be healthy and you'll be able to praise God more. And Daniel, even in Daniel 1, Daniel doesn't eat rich food and uh, him and his three friends are smarter and their faces are more fatter and more robust than other kids who ate rich food and basically junk food. We were talking in the gym and this guy says, you know, my brother's like two years older than me and he eats all this junk and crap. He doesn't even exercise. I mean, this is just somebody, you know, um, somebody of a different faith, actually, who's noticing, you know, health and how your mind performs and how you how you feel about yourself. They're very, very interconnected. And that's basically, do you eat trash? What goes into your body? This is Christmas time. Everybody's going to be having guzzling down sugar and calories and, and lots of stuff. And everybody's going to be drinking eggnog and lots of sugar. But you know what? Is that how you live? You can't live like that every day. You must destroy all the nations the Lord your God hands over to you. Show them no mercy and do not worship their gods or they will trap you. I'm sure this is where people or where atheists say, hey, your God is a crazy God. He's a lunatic God. He's an angry God. It does seem like that, doesn't it? It does seem like God is kind of hard and kind of unreachable and, and kind of, you know. But we, we have seen from scriptures that the whole scriptures is from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We have seen the big picture of God's character. We have seen Jesus. You know, we've seen the law came from Moses, but Jesus gave us truth. Uh, he gave us grace and truth. He's the road to God. He's the path to God. His character is the image of God. We've seen that in the New Testament. You can't judge God's character by he's protecting his people here. 
he's trying to build them up into a nation. But he is also the God of love. He's the God of fairness. Perhaps you will think to yourselves, how can we ever conquer these nations that are more, so much more powerful than we are? But don't be afraid of them. Just remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all the land of Egypt. Remember the great terrors the Lord your God sent against them. You saw it all with your own eyes and remember the miraculous signs and wonders and the strong hand and powerful arm with which he brought you out of Egypt. The Lord your God will use the same power against all the people you fear. And then the Lord your God will send terror to drive out the few survivors still hiding from you. We're the underdogs. Right? When you when you want to be with Jesus, you're the underdog. And God never forgets the underdog. God is fighting for us. God is for us. God is with you. That doesn't mean you get to blast people. It may mean that other people are going to um, persecute you or, you know, try to destroy your reputation. That that may be true. And God may allow it or he may allow the devil to hit you or the devil will hit you. I don't know how it quite works. But whatever the case is, God is for you. And when God is for you, nobody can be against you. Nobody can take away your salvation. Nobody. No, do not be afraid of those nations, for the Lord your God is among you, and he's a great and awesome God. The Lord your God will drive those nations out ahead of you little by little. You will not clear them away all at once. Otherwise, the wild animals would multiply too quickly for you, but the Lord your God will hand them over to you. You will throw them into complete confusion until they are destroyed. You will put their kings in your power and you will erase their names from the face of the earth. No one will be able to stand against you and you will destroy them all. As a Christian, I don't want to hurt anybody. I, I like people. I like to listen to different people's perspectives. I want people to know that God loves them and God cares about them and, and that I'm no better than they are. Because people will say weird things to me like, you're a man of faith and... Wow, say, say a prayer to God listens to you and they make me sound like I'm some great religious exalted leader and I feel so embarrassed. Like I've sinned. I've, I've made so many mistakes in life. I've had, you know, um, angers and jealousies and deep thoughts and shoutings and, and things I'm not proud of. There are really things I'm not proud of. Like don't make me out to be a, a saint. There's only one man in 15 billion people. How many people were born on this planet? I've lived on this planet. 15 billion? 16 billion? You know, there are babies that were killed, but, but of all, only one man never sinned. Only one man never crossed the line, never did his own will, never put his own will above God. One man. I'm not the man. For we all sinned and come short of the glory of God. All our righteousness is as a filthy rag. It should keep us humble. You must burn their idols in fire and you must not cover the silver or gold that covers them. You must not take it or it will become a trap to you for that is detestable to the Lord your God. Do not bring any detestable objects into your home for then you will be destroyed just like them. You must utterly detest such things for they are set apart for destruction. I think God is just telling them, telling us, just be honorable, be holy, be pure, be righteous, have really good intentions. We may not meet the intentions. Do you want to make God happy? I would like to make God happy. I would like to be like Jesus. I would like to have a character like my Lord and Savior. I know I don't. I know I mess up. I know I, I say stupid things and, and have, you know, thoughts and, and get angry a little way too fast. But I want to be like Jesus. I want when that sky opens in Revelation 1-7, Revelation 19-15, I want to go. I want to see. And you know what? I'm not going to go on my own power. I'm not going to go because I'm this wonderful guy. I can speak really well. I have this amazing memory or I have all these brains or all these looks. Everything is a fight. Everything is a battle. I want to go because Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. You did the best you could with what you had. And I supplied the rest. I supplied the grace. 
I know I know there are some people listening, even if there's one or two. I don't want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to Jesus. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. Happy holidays. God bless you all.